This is The Monthly, a podcast presented by The Pad Project. Hi everyone, welcome to The Monthly Podcast. My name is Rahel and today I'm very excited to be joined by Liza Weiss. Thank you so much for having me. I live in St. Louis and I'm the executive director and founder of Missouri Appleseed. Missouri Appleseed is part of the Appleseed Network which is 16 independent um, Appleseed centers in the U.S. and Mexico. And we're hoping to get two new centers started in Oklahoma and Arkansas. Um, each center is independent. Missouri was, Appleseed was founded in 2017. We are a small nonprofit that uses research, education, and advocacy to work on issues at the intersection of criminal justice and public health. Awesome. And could you tell us how you got into this space and how you started working with Missouri Appleseed. Sure. I am a lawyer by training, and before law school and after law school, I worked for public defender's offices, and I had heard from clients about issues related to lack of access to menstrual products, both in jails and prisons. So Appleseed Centers work on issues like at the systemic level, so we don't provide any direct advocacy or direct representation to individuals. We work more on policy issues at the state and local level. So when I started Missouri Appleseed, right around the same time, the Federal Bureau of Prisons announced a new policy that they would be providing um, women in their prisons with both pads and tampons of a variety of sizes and and, and effective pads and tampons. So when I started Missouri Appleseed, I was curious about what was happening in Missouri related to access to menstrual products. And do you have one defining moment maybe when you first learned about the inadequacy surrounding menstrual care within the prison system or something that really grabbed you and pulled you to this issue? I mean, I think the whole concept I was actually just shocked by, you know, just I thought it was just, you know, people, people go to prison for a variety of reasons, but I really believe in human dignity. And just, you know, there, I mean, I'd heard stories from women about, you know, having to decide whether or not to buy effective tampons from the prison canteen or call their children. And um, that was just uh, shocking and, um, you know, very upsetting. Throughout our previous episodes on the podcast, we've talked a lot about like dignity and sort of the shame and taboo that's associated with menstruation. And it's been very eye-opening to hear that it's similar and worse conditions and feelings for people that are incarcerated. Do you have any stories maybe you can share from people that were incarcerated surrounding maybe some of the inadequacies or difficulties they faced um, with menstrual care when they were in prison? When I first, um, you know, right around when we found a Missouri Appleseed and the Federal Bureau of Prisons were improving the quality um, and the uh, type of products provided to women, I was able to work with a local foundation to um, receive some funds to look into the, what was happening in Missouri. And the Missouri Department of Corrections um, I approached them and they uh, agreed to allow Missouri Appleseed to do research inside Missouri's two prisons related to this issue. And so what we ended up, what they and the Department of Corrections ended up agreeing to let us do was to conduct 90 surveys of incarcerated, of incarcerated women. And they, it was, they were randomly chosen. Um, we had some age constraints just because we wanted to make sure people were, the people that we surveyed were still menstruating. Um, and so they um, were anonymous. So we dropped the we dropped the surveys off, and we sort of instructed the staff at the prisons about how you know we were hoping to um, dis- that they would disseminate the surveys, and then they sent them back through the prison mail. Um, we thought that would give them some independence um, and you know make them feel comfortable that they could be honest and they wouldn't get in trouble for what what they wrote. So you know 
One, I think the most striking thing we learned was that over 80% of the, of the women were making homemade tampons um, in the prison. And we just, and then we also asked the women if they had had a vaginal infection within the last six months. And of all the women, you know, both the women that used homemade products and the women that didn't, 22% said they had had a vaginal infection. But then when we separated by people who made and who used homemade products and the women who didn't, uh, 28% of the women who used homemade products reported having a vaginal infection and 0% of the women who didn't use homemade products reported having infections. So we could really, you know, we couldn't, you know, we could see a relationship between using homemade products and women's health. And about 75% of the women report said they, they thought using homemade products put their health at risk. And so we were really struck that despite, you know, they, despite this knowledge, they continued to make homemade products because this was really the only thing they could do to manage their menstruation uh, while incarcerated. And then people did write, also wrote in, um, like it was a multiple choice uh, survey, but um, people wrote in, in the, in the sort of the sides of the survey. And, you know, some people said, I have to write wear three to five pads at a time. Um, another woman said, cause, and I'll, after I explain this, I can go back and tell you about the state of, state of access when we started this research. But um, another woman said, you know, I use some of the materials from the free pads to make homemade tampons. And then um, I have to wear on top of that seven or eight pads every night. So um, when we started the, the um, research, women in Missouri's two prisons were receiving free pads, but they were you know, what our survey demonstrated and what we heard both from, we had heard from women before we started the survey and actually from staff of the prison is that they were very, just ineffective. The Missouri was buying the pads from a um, prison supply company. They weren't working. And so if you wanted higher quality pads or tampons of any size, you had to buy those at the prison canteen. We've heard a lot of stories and read a lot of things about the experiences of people. Sometimes people would end up using the pads for purposes, not something that they're not intended for. For example, like padding against um, in between the bed and the wall. So if you're moving around at night, the bed is not banging into the wall and keeping you up at night. And that was a reason that officials and administrators were like, well, we don't want to give them more products because they're not using them for what they were intended for. But then it just goes back to the infrastructure of everything, like not being good enough and not being quote unquote safe environment to rest in and sleep in, which is why these women were having to use pads for all these different reasons. I agree. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad. And I, the, well, I mean, one story we heard was that, you know, we were taught, we also did some research in some local um, jails in Missouri. And um, I think it was one of the local jails, the head of the jail said, well, you know, these women, they use the pads to like somehow use them to make like holiday cards or holiday gifts for their children. And we, you know, that's not the purpose, but that, you know, I was like, that's just sad. They're trying to stay in touch with their, their kids. And this is the only, you know, this is all the only way they can you know, express their love to them. And it's just, you know, I think like taking a step back, um, Missouri Appleseed has, you know, worked on, I mean, this access and menstrual products, like dignity for incarcerated women is sort of just like a larger issue. And over the last 20 or 30 years, the um, United States uh, female prison population has really skyrocketed. And a majority of the women are in prison for nonviolent offenses, and a vast majority of them are mothers. And so, 
you know, I think there's, you know, dignity for the, the women, dignity for their families. It's um, all sort of fits together. Could you talk a little bit about the recent approval of Senate Bill 53 and the recent approval of funds for better products for jails or prisons in Missouri? Sure. No, we're really excited. Um, so we did our research in 2017. So when we got our results, it was 2018. But so then in the 2019 Missouri legislative session, we um, had our, our state-based research with us and we talked to lawmakers and lawmakers on both sides of the aisle were just really shocked by the, you know, by what our data showed. So we were able in 2019, we were able to get an appropriation in the state budget. So the Department of Corrections could provide higher quality pads and tampons. And the Department of Corrections, when you know presented with our findings, you know, changed their policy themselves to provide these products to the women. Um, then 2020, uh, the 2020 legislative session, that was um, COVID. So <laughs> we didn't make too much progress. But in 2021, we were really excited because we had several bills that were ended up being amended into a larger Senate Bill 53 that requires both jails and prisons to provide both pads and tampons. And it, it, the state has appropriated money in addition to the, to the money for the prisons, now also money for the state jails or the uh, county jails. So I don't know if the listeners know, but the difference between the county, the jails are usually where people go when they're arrested and being held pending trial or serving very short sentences. Jails are usually run by local sheriffs and the prison is where, uh, prisons are where people go when they're serving longer sentences, usually over a year. And that's run by the State Department of Corrections. So we were just really thrilled that, uh, that, that the bill passed. You know, we had, again, a lot of support on both sides of the aisle. Missouri is a super majority Republican state. Um, we had you know, really great uh, Republican bill sponsors and the budget chairs, both in the House and the Senate, were very supportive of this. You know, we were just, we're really excited and we're hoping, you know, some, I know, like some states have made progress in, in the prison, but just a few, I think, um, have statutes on the books that require jails also to provide products, effective quality products to women. So we were just thrilled and we actually had got an emergency clause on the language in the bill. So the bill was signed about two weeks ago. So, um, you know, we will follow up and monitor the situation, but hopefully uh, jails are starting to um, get the money from the state and provide these products to, to women right now. Wow, that's really recent. I didn't realize it was just two weeks ago. That's amazing. Yeah, well, the bill was passed in May, but um, the governor signed it. So now that we know that a bill like this can be signed and put into effect, how can we push local, state, or federal leaders to do the same thing in other states and in other parts of the country? What can we do? What can we advocate for to help more people throughout the U.S.? I think, well, so there are a lot, there are other organizations working on this issue. There's definitely other state organizations in different states working on it. And then this year, we also worked with two organizations, national organizations, the uh, DreamWorks Justice which is a left-leaning organization and the American Conservative Union, which is a, like a right-leaning organization. And they've partnered in other states with local organizations to move like dignity for incarcerated women bills forward. And, you know, so I would just like reach out to organizations and, you know, whatever state you're living in, reach out to your local state representative, find out what the law, if there is any law on the books or what the policies are. Because this is, you know, a lot of times people we spoke to, when we started talking to people about this issue, they're like, that's an issue. 
And so sometimes, especially maybe because um, many jails and prisons are run by men, this isn't really top of mind. So if you, you know, I just think raising the issue, inquiring, talking to lawmakers. And again, I just want that. I think what was really, really the most helpful to us was having the state data from our own, our own prisons and our own jails to share with local lawmakers. I think that really um, made the difference. And we also partnered with like local doctors organizations like the Missouri Association of OBGYNs, um, nurses associations, um, just like for state level advocacy, that, that, that was really helpful too. And just sort of like, I think in general, like going back to like the issue of incarcerated women's dignity, just, you know, learning about this issue, raising awareness, like some other issues that relate to this or like how are pregnant women treated? Um, Some states, they shackle pregnant women during birth, during labor. Um, what ha- you know, what happens to women when they give birth in prison? Many states, just the baby is taken from the woman immediately. So like eight or nine states have prison nurseries where women are allowed to stay with their babies. Um, you know, how are family visits handled? You know, are, are calls home for women free to their children? Um, where are women placed in prison? Is it near their family? You know, there's just like a lot of issues that not people that most people don't think about and so just raising awareness about women in prison their health and their families I think is important I agree and I that's one of the reasons we started this podcast actually because we wanted to expand the conversation and really bring it out into the open about everything regarding menstruation which is why each episode focuses on a different theme and different topic um so we're very excited to like bring this conversation forward and have people like you on here who can really give concrete information and sort of direction for where we should go to help and what we should do. And I think the listeners will definitely appreciate that a lot. Sort of veering a little bit, what is next for Missouri Appleseed? If you're allowed to say, what are maybe some other projects you're working on and looking to in the future? Well, you know, just sort of, you know, we're still working on like what if next legislative session we'll be working on. Um, but it'll definitely like relate to you know, incarcerated women's health or in keeping families from being broken up due to the criminal justice system. In addition to passing the access, you know, menstrual access bill last year, um, last legislative session, we also passed something we call a primary caretaker bill. It was also amended onto Senate Bill 53. And um, this bill requires judges to consider the effects of incarceration on dependent children when sentencing nonviolent primary caretakers. You know, I think we'd like to continue to focus on these type of, you know, these type of issues, but we haven't quite nailed down the next legislative issue, but I'll keep you posted. Definitely. I love hearing about, you know, the fight that's going on in different states and different parts of the country. It's very interesting and inspiring to me to be able to speak to people from different walks of life, different projects. Um, I love it. Do you plan to expand Missouri Appleseed's mission to the rest of the United States? Do you plan to expand the organization? If so, how? If not, that's totally cool. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think Missouri Appleseed will always be focused on issues in Missouri. But I, you know, we and there are other Appleseed centers that all are independent 501c3s and they all work on their own issues. But, you know, we would love to you know, share our surveys with anyone who's interested in doing local research in their local jails and prisons. And I mean, I, I guess two things. It is, it is difficult to do research inside of, inside of prisons and jails. You really, you know, you have to develop a trusting relationship with 
the prison um, administration. And so I, I don't want to say like, you know, you can just take our surveys and people will open up the doors for you guys to do research because that usually doesn't happen. And I also wanted to mention we, ha- in addition to partnering with the local, the national organizations, we worked closely with a lot of um, formerly incarcerated women and local organization, a local organization here called All of Us or None, who's which is led by a woman named Patty Berger, who's a formerly incarcerated woman herself. And um, there's another national organization called the National Council of Incarcerated and Formerly Incarcerated Women and Girls, who also work on a lot of these issues. So I think it's important to to you know take the lead from the women who have actually had these experiences firsthand, you know, and work towards, you know, if you're working for change, what, you know, that's, that's where to start. You know, they, they know what the conditions and what's important. I agree. I, it's so important to us to have firsthand information because otherwise there's no way for us to know the experiences and for the general public to know the experiences. So I think it's really important to have firsthand accounts and really talk to people who have gone through these experiences. I would love to ask you how our listeners can find you or find out more about Missouri Appleseed. Well, thank you. Um, you can find, we're on Facebook. Our website is MissouriAppleseed.org. Um, my email is lweiss at appleseednetwork.org. So we're at Missouri A-P-P-L-E, at Missouri Apples one on Twitter. So follow us and we, that would be great. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, we, and we're on LinkedIn too. So we, we try, we're, you know, we are new, you know, just about four years old and we have a pretty bare bones budget, but we are trying to like get more um, active on social media and, you know, keep people aware of the work we're doing. I will definitely direct our listeners to you so they can find out more information, maybe get involved somehow. Alrighty. Thank you so much for having me and for your interest in our work. Thank you so much for being here. 